The Federal Trade Commission said Tuesday that for more than two years, Amazon didn't pass on tips to its drivers, even though it promised shoppers and drivers it would do so. Jeff Bezos' suborbital spaceflight service isn't going to fund itself, right? When reached for comment, the Amazon founder said brusquely, See, this is why I strongly believe that anyone working in this company needs to be replaced with delivery drones. These yokels with their greedy little mouths will be the absolute fucking death of me. Well, if you wanted honesty, you've come to the wrong place. Cunnilingus and cum dumpstery. Yes, that is what we're at here. Ooh, I love it. It is not cola, it is a cup. Cock cola. Time to whip it out. I think I missed half of the references, but I understood the point. Oh, this is the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. It's also why Mr. Bezos stepped down this week. <laughs> I was going to say. I believe that. Oh, boy. Oh, jeez. Please stop with the Mickey Mouse already. <laughs> I want my fucking money. Ha <laughs> ha. Oh, no. I can't be beat, Shane. People burn oh, when I'm... <laughs> People burn when I'm beat. Ha <laughs> ha. Beat off. Uh... <laughs> well, all right, He's Musketeers. Third eye blind. <laughs> I'll never let you go. <laughs> okay, uh, so... Pre-roll, we were having a discussion about uh, Stephen Jenkins' need for auto-tune correction uh, when he's breathing, basically. And right. uh, Michael, of course, elected to drop one, <laughs> one of song. the major singles, which was, uh, Michael? I'll, I'll never let you go. Okay, so that's yes. uh, that's one, and then we uh, we threw down the gauntlet, and I said I require Michael to give me at least three more Third Eye Blind song titles. I yeah, I think we're we're gonna gatekeep uh, Stephen Jenkins fandom here, mm. and if Michael can't name three songs, then he's never allowed to talk about Third Eye Blind again. Oh well, I guess I um, I can't. I come on, monkey dance. I, well, I know Semi Charmed Life because you know anyone that grew mm -hmm, up in the nineties mm -hmm. knew that song. Two more. Um, uh, there's another one where like the person is uh, like talking about a chick that's smoked out, and I can't remember that song. This is not the ten thousand dollar pyramid, my well. friend. Yeah, so uh, I, I give up. Yeah, uh, I'm not a nineties kid. Do you, do you got them? Yeah. Uh. Uh. Okay, but you didn't come forward and like make it sound like you knew a lot about Third Eye Blind. I don't talk out of my ass usually. I knew the turn. song. That was it. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, well, lightning comes and lightning goes, and it's all the same to me. And it, I last just about as long. Lightning? Yeah. Crashes? <laughs> thunderclap. That kind of, that all happened to me in slow motion. <laughs> Did you say or thunder a motorcycle? <laughs> it almost reminded me of a motorcycle drive-by. Ooh, huh. look at you. Weird. At least I was throwing stuff from, like, you know, three bad albums later, but... I actually really like Third Eye Blind. You know what's really weird is that I feel like I've been losing a whole year. Well, I remember when uh, you and me used to spend the whole goddamn day in bed. <laughs> All right, yeah, we we get it. You, you you know stuff about music. You know stuff. I don't know stuff. Yeah, that, that's the whole I, reoccurring really theme of this, uh, this podcast. What's really perplexing to me 
is that we are all recording on like we have a zoom conference call going right now we're mm. rolling uh, audio in the background like actually capturing our individual mics that's to be said that we have Google right in front of us. At any point, you could have I'm just not fucking cheat. Googled third eye blind. What? You're I on some high cheated. horse? Yeah. At you least Michael has the spot. not. It's like, hold on. Let me just let me just do something. That's not how you. Michael, you just got to get better at lying. This is why you can't graduate college. <laughs> no, I'm giving up on college yeah. now. Well, you college just didn't gave up on you, enough. is what I heard. No, college has not given up on me. That's why I'm still there. <laughs> They'll still take my, I guess, labor? Because I, I don't have to pay them or anything like that. I just, I just work. Hey, you got vaccinated labor. from it, so I wouldn't uh, complain too a win-win, much. Win-win, I would say yes. So. Mr. 5G. <laughs> so, can I do a little bit of a follow-up from last week? No. Yes. Maybe. Okay, so I feel like I put something really, really disturbing out into the ether, and I feel like Shane's kind of the reason that it happened, and then it's just been following me ever since, and it culminated on Sunday. <sighs> ever the scapegoat. <sighs> so there were comments made uh, about me fucking my dad, and then there's they comments... true. <laughs> <laughs> then there were comments about... Comments like that being the reason that my mom doesn't fuck me anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Which is also true. And I, in the midst of everything, I, I guess maybe my phone was just listening, and I got a sponsored Reddit post um, that was from the r slash horror. It's a horror movie subreddit. And essentially, it's like, okay, so Ari Aster, who did Hereditary in Midsummer, uh, he started his career with a short film called uh, The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. And let's just go ahead and trigger and spoiler alert here. Um, it is a short film about a son who viciously fucks his own dad. Just figured I'd have to let you guys know. Uh, well, Kristen and I watched that over the weekend, and it scarred fucking. us both after after we did not <laughs> <During>. have relations. <laughs> we had uh, to watch it twice. Yeah. The uh, the hashtag Watkinsest has been <laughs> you know trending for quite some time. <laughs> I didn't introduce this into the ether. It has been floating around since before you and I were acquainted, if your compatriot Joe is to be believed. So uh, don't don't try to foist that off on me, friend. Now, I will say you well, maybe not Courtney, uh, but the rest of you guys should should watch the short film. It's actually it's it's hard to say that it's good because of the subject matter, but it's uh, definitely like. You can see where Ari Aster got started and like what he's really strong at doing as a director and as a writer. Making people um, feel uncomfortable about topics? Because I definitely felt uncomfortable during Midsummer. Yeah, let me describe the opening scene and then I'm done talking about it. But I just thought mm-hmm. it was too it was too ironic that we watched it and that was the subject matter after everything we've talked about in the past couple of weeks. Uh so the movie Cold opens and uh there's this uh, there's this guy or a kid laying it like he's like 11 or 12 laying in his bed and the sheets are over him and you can tell that he's kind of go ahead. I don't want to interject for, for a brief moment. Yeah. Well, How long is this short film? 29 minutes. I mean, there's nothing to say that we cannot watch this and respond with reactions. I would be down. Fuck it. We'll do it live. 
I mean, it's not like we're going to get monetized on YouTube at any point in the near future. And granted, they won't let us air it, but still, <laughs> it'll be fun to watch it hit the filter. I mean, all we'll say is this is, you know, fair use and we're commenting on it and blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah. uh, the, the, the term paywall has been bandied around here from time to time. So if we do ever get that Patreon up and rolling, uh, that would be watch the disinformed podcast, enjoy incest <laughs> and not you know in the job. You've, you've heard it here first. Once that happens, I will gladly do a reaction video to Strange Life of the Johnsons, okay. or a strange thing about the Johnsons. But again, the opening scene, and it doesn't give the rest of the spectacle away. So it's, it's a young kid. He's in his bed. You can tell that he's, you know, getting to know himself a little better under underneath the sheets, if you, if you, if you would. I and, can say a follow. Um, <laughs> Please, describe <laughs> in jack- more detail. He's jacking off. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> and his dad walks in and like walks in on him doing it, Are like not an intentional son? thing. And and there's this whole big sequence, and it actually turns out to. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I could. <laughs> Sorry, Courtney. That is that is a meme. It's a poorly drawn MS Paint picture of a stick figure opening a door and saying, "Are you winning, son?" And the son is playing video games. <laughs> Uh, this, this just makes me think that I'm going to change referring to masturbation as masturbation and call it fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to bait the worm with my hook. <laughs> so what could have been a traditionally horrific scene in any other movie um, ends up being <laughs> kind of... <laughs> to a whole even worse horrific scene. No, the, the dad essentially is like, I am so sorry that this happened like i didn't mean to walk in on you i should have knocked like it was my bad and you know like he's like kind of like trying to get away from that situation with some grace and he's like i'm gonna leave now but i just want to make sure that you know that what's happening with your body it's completely natural like everybody does this and his son's like everybody does this and he goes yeah and he goes do you do it dad and he's like yeah of course i do and then the dad leaves and it's kind of like a sweet like like it's a sweet moment in a, in a weird way of like Making sure that you don't like fuck up your kid by making them think that sex is gross or like sexuality is wrong. Yeah. Um, but then the camera pans back and shows what the kid was jerking it to, and it's a picture of his dad. <laughs> <laughs> the subversion. <laughs> and, and that takes twenty nine minutes. <laughs> uh, the rest, uh, the rest of the twenty nine minutes is pretty fucking harrowing. <laughs> It's not, I, I did not feel good. <laughs> like I, I thought that I would. I, why do you continually subject yourself to these things? Now, granted, I do un- enjoy the occasional artistic discomfort, but you seem to seek it out like some sort of fucking heat seeking missile. <laughs> the it's trauma that- just needs to be something that beats you about the neck and chest like daily. It's not that I intentionally go out of my way to find traumatic things. It's that I enjoy what I enjoy. So, like, Ari Aster, I know I like Ari Aster's movies. Hear me out. You're, you're going to look like I'm a fucking idiot, which I am. But um, I like Ari Aster's movies a lot. So when I see someone post, like, hey, here's his first short film. It's really disturbing, but it's good. I'm just going to watch it. That, that, now, that's fair. Yeah. Now, I mean... like, with your with your mom's house podcast, which is what got me into even more, like... Uh, taboo videos and mm-hmm. weird shit and those live streams that i will never be able to forget um that titty pig that just kind of is like an not it's nostalgic in the way that it was nostalgic or like looking back when you'd gross your friends out like when you would find videos to watch as a collective 
and it especially during the past year like watching those live streams it felt like watching it with a group of friends seeing who would last out on seeing these horrifically disturbing clips um that is it wrong yes but, but it's oh yeah. so right but am I am I sitting up in the wee hours of the night, like going to dark corners of the web, trying to see drill sounding? No, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Therapist says I don't have to talk about that, so uh, I'm not. Jokes on you, friend. You thought that story was relatable because you think I had friends. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney has uh, a roommate. It's true. Mm-hmm. Well, at least he's helping to uh, you know split the bills. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I roll. Wow, I've never heard someone get cucked via audio before, but that's what that sounds like. Ooh. I can see Jonah making that cute, adorable, sexy, pouty face from the corner. You know, John, I know that he loves you dearly, but when he suggests that we should listen to this podcast at um, bedtime last night, instead of letting me put music on for certain activities, and I said, what would be worse? And I, he was like, well, we could listen to Michael talk. And I was like... Okay, I'm sleeping on the couch. I'll see you later. So he he misses you. Are you trying you, to John. tell me that Jonah wants to come to my voice? <laughs> I'm not not saying that. But she but he mentioned my voice. Yeah, he does, which he, confuses yeah. me even more. I think you're the anti. Uh, he's saying Michael is the best contraceptive on the planet. Oh, okay, okay. Thank you for clearing that up, Shane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael's okay. girlfriend would beg to differ. <laughs> And no, there is duct tape involved, so it's it's uh, what? she hasn't she hasn't had another kid. <laughs> Remember, we established this. It's it's year I think four is is um from from previous episodes is when I. Well, I'm glad you're on a four to five year plan. Yes. Five year plan, yes. Yeah, so your girlfriend's Stalin. That's nice. <laughs> well, <Thank> sorry. <laughs> I was sorry reaching that I, uh... in you, grass. <laughs> I appreciate that so much. Thank you. <laughs> Does the mustache tickle? Sorry, I kicked it off with dad fucking, but I just... Oh, when do you not? <laughs> it's really just par for the course at this point with you, John. You know, it's been yeah, a while since much. we talked about porn. No. Yeah, like two episodes. <laughs> like an episode. I've, I've basically... I've come to terms with the fact that John is the Buster Casey of this little collective, and I'm just going to get to live with that for the remainder of my life. You don't so know where I've we... been, Lou. And when we all start slamming cars into one another out on the interstate in his honor, then, you know, I will blame you. All the blame will just fall right on you. Yeah. Well, good. Well, for those of you who are blissfully unfamiliar with what typically happens on this podcast, other than discussion about Watkins-est and, uh, you know, butt-buggering and all that fun junk... We usually will delve into a random esoteric topic, and in the midst of explaining it to one another, we will leaven in the occasional lie, and it is then incumbent upon the co-hosts to separate the fact from fiction in a game that all too often leaves all of us slack-jawed and empty inside, much like matrimony, I find. Allegedly. And uh, so, this week... Michael is going to be ruffling some feathers Ooh. in a discussion of, uh, you know, one of the greatest wars ever documented in the whole of human history. And you tried to fucking weasel out of it today, too. What? No, I didn't. When did I do that? Oh, I thought you were going to talk about your stonks. I mean, I, I wrote, like, an analogy to describe the GameStop, you know, straight to the moon, diamond hands, for all the people that, you know, know any of those references. 
Same. It's like blurring. Yeah, exactly. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Ah. Uh, I will start. There are five lies to the great you didn't, emo you didn't war. Say, I was going to say you didn't say what the topic was, friend. I'm so sorry. I, 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 I was ready to go. You, Shane, you set me up. And then John was like, GameStop. And I'm like, I... I don't know what I'm doing anymore. The heart yeah. wants what the heart wants. <sighs> the heart now wants you to see to why, his, uh, why his dad used to beat him all the time. And, and that's why fuck I fucked my dad. Mm-hmm. At the same time. Yep. Kinky. You gotta break the cycle. He beat me and I beat him off. Ho nope. ho. Well, there's a career <laughs> ender. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, <So>. no! <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, yes. Um. I don't fuck my dad. <laughs> A disclaimer, <laughs> air quotes. I, I aged out. <laughs> Which is a shame because you were the last one. So, he... Daddy, why won't you fuck me anymore? <laughs> you aged out, son. You got hair on your ass crack now, son. You don't do it for me. <laughs> that tickles. First of all, you're ugly as fuck. <laughs> Secondly, those dingleberries are impeding my progress. So quite frankly, unless you learn how to wash yourself, you little Freak! I'm Courtney, not I am back so in sorry. Cheeks. That's I'm the origin story Courtney. for the bidet. It makes so much sense now. <laughs> Jesus! Oh Christ. my goodness! I'm watching Courtney fucking die inside. It would very much so <laughs> not surprise. Oh, there we go. <laughs> and that was and a whole pint. Chug, chug a lugged a five dollar bottle of wine. That was actually a a sour, which was really painful, but it was Ooh. tasty. Hey, that was worth it though. Yeah, respect. Okay. I mean, I see you swallow much worse in your day-to-day life, I'm sure. (laughs) While listening to our voices, apparently. Indeed. (laughs) When you want to go to bed, or do other various activities from what you said. I was like, we can't recover from this conversation. Oh, we can try. There's no... You're like, the only thing that can happen is a hard reset. And you weren't on the lease, so help me. Uh, (laughs) And I told him... Hashtag Jonas Strychnine. <laughs> but I was like, well, now I have to tell them that this happened. And he's like, no, you don't. And I was like, no, I, yeah, I absolutely do. do. Save it for you the know, pod, yeah. Uh, a, a truth be told, though, uh, you could get past the Michael with a little shot of Shane. <laughs> I, I, I would actually, I would, I would listen to you while I made Whoopi. You have. <laughs> I mean, I, I would do the, it. Uh, the director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mispronounced a word or two there, but we should probably get back to the emo war. <laughs> the emo wars, John? Don't you the call emo. your wife the that emo. again. <laughs> <laughs> the great emo wars of 2006. Okay, oh, that's now my I'm interested. Immortal, right? um, now let me set the stage, the backstory, if you will. <laughs> so winston churchill (laughs) so my girlfriend told me the first kid was immaculate conception i have been cucked by god when he said duct tape earlier the first thing that came to mind is like when um drag performers like tape and tuck and just imagining her just like taping the door closed and being like no thanks michael actually i'm good you shall not (laughs) Pass. <laughs> and neither will she actually that might be problematic <laughs> jesus courtney you head home there's a single tear coming out of his Ooh. eye no that's sweat um, <laughs> that 
sweat, something Michael's never heard before. <laughs> sweat volume 43. Um, no, no, God. sorry. Now, that's what I call sweat. No, uh, that's what I call sweat. No, no, no. Tell us, tell us about the emos. Okay. It's just after World War One, the Great War, the war whoa, to end whoa, all whoa. wars. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, uh, okay, a little backstory. Early, like, Literally two hours ago, I finally had my girlfriend listen to one of the more recent episodes. <laughs> she didn't, it, it was a satanic abuse, you know, one. So, you know. So your childhood story. Exactly. Yep. And she wasn't really paying attention to the actual episode. She was just listening. Well, she was just <laughs> listening to whenever I pronounced something incorrectly. How many times did she count? Uh, she didn't count because she was constantly laughing. Whenever yeah, I said sense. Buckley. She would point that out for the person whose name was Bucky. So that that was it was it was it was it was a fun it was a fun time it was a fun time. Anyway, I'm glad you're getting the whole family involved. Yes. It's what just, else is new? Uh, it's just after World War One, the Great oh, War, the war to bullshit. end all wars, the coldest mm. war, etc. And if you're a tired Australian soldier coming home after watching plenty of your buddies getting massacred on the Dardanelles, which I know that name. It's, it's the, a place in, I guess, modern-day Turkey. And the um, last thing you want to see is an emu fucking your wife. Yes, and or the Western Front. All you probably want to do is settle down, cook a little shrimp on the barbie, and start a family all on your own plot of land. Trust no me, that's... That's... Um, that's, the- that's- that's, that's the only one I. That's the only one I said. I I spent like probably five or ten minutes looking up like slang terms, Australian slang terms, and and we none have of them a listener fun. or listeners in Australia. They will call <laughs> yeah, you out. I know. I know. You could have gone with a- the American standby of like say good day, mate, to your wife or something. I mean, I wanted the to be drop a little. Is. I wanted to be a little more innovative with that. But I oh, the problem is the reference point for Australia is Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> so I kid you I not, just, we and, my... and Fosters. It's, it's Australian oh. for beer. Yeah, yeah. that other commercial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just want to let you know that I saved Courtney. I saved you from Courtney, literally sending you a box of bees, and now you are willing. <laughs> Australian listeners to do the same. And if you would like Michael's address, uh, feel free to send us an email at disinformedpodcast at gmail.com and I will give you his address. More engagement than we ever get. So, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> Courtney, you were saying? Oh, no, I was just going to say, I my uncle actually had a friend from Australia that came out and visited us out here in Phoenix at one point. And the one restaurant he wanted to eat at was Outback Steakhouse because he thought it was such a joke. That yeah. Are you sure it just didn't remind him of home? <laughs> it reminds like, him as home as much as the Olive Garden reminds us of home. <laughs> hey, when, wh- you're here when your you're family, damn it! <laughs> oh, I guess you're fucking somebody in the Alfredo then. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm Olive afraid of my dad. <laughs> Olive Garden, when you're here, you're here. I'm getting the fettuccine in the butt with free breadsticks. They'll keep Michael. adding cheese until you say when. <laughs> I apologize for continually interrupting what I am sure is a riveting topic. It's okay. No one cares about what I have to say anyway. That's right. <laughs> so all you probably want to do is settle down and start a family on your own plot of land. Well, Sonny Jim, the government's got your back. Do you mean Sonny Jim? No, I said Sonny Jim. I said that on purpose. 
It's one of my favorite Indian actors. <laughs> They'll give you the best plot of land that's not already owned and let you grow some of the some wheat crops there. Um which did happen. It was called the uh, Soldier Settlement Scheme. But yeah, the government gave large numbers of discharged World War I vet- veterans plots of land in Western Australia, uh, usually in places where the land wasn't the best, or even mm. good for that matter. Uh, in fact, to give you three an idea, it's about the same climate as Arizona, at least uh, around where the Emu War takes place. Mm-hmm. So... Just walk outside in the summer, and that's, you know, that's what you'll experience for all you uh, local Arizona people. Yeah. Uh, The plot stiffens. Now, most of these soldiers were already farmers or shepherds before conscription anyway, so it's not like the Australian government gave plots of land to ex-real estate agents or, you know, cobblers or anything like that. Or they just stole it from indigenous people? You are murdering Shane's brain, and I just want the (laughs) listeners to know that Shane cannot... Keep a straight face whenever you start opening your mouth, Michael. So let's define what Australia is. <laughs> real, real estate brokers? Real, real, real estate agents. That, that was the first thing that came in mind because I was like, were they just offering plots of land to just any old soldier? Like, oh, here, you, you know, survived. Here's some plot of land. And you're like, I, I, I did real estate. I, I don't know so, what to do with this, like, empty plot of land. What do I do with it? Maybe a touch anachronistic, but go on. Ah, sure, fine, that's fair. Uh, tomato, potato. <laughs> tomato, yeah, thank you. It's All like you knew haters. what I was going to say. Eat my taters. Yeah. Uh, so let's fast forward 11 years. Please. <laughs> to 1929. <laughs> uh, can anyone guess what happened on that date? Or in you that bored year? someone to death. Oh my god. Is it really <laughs> that bad? Not yet, but it'll get there. <laughs> oh my god, okay. With the onset of the Great Depression, the price of wheat plummeted which angered these veterans who had already been given this pretty shitty land. They're like, here, have some land, develop it. Here's some wheat, grow it. Oh, wheat's worth shit, can't make money, fuck you. So the government decided to try and encourage these farmers uh, to increase their wheat crops by promising assistance in the form of subsidies or money, right? Um, I bet you can guess whether the government kept that promise. The government is trustworthy all the time. And they probably paid them more than what was agreed upon. They, Yeah, exactly. Thank you, John. And nothing else happened after that time at the end. And nothing else matters. Considering that their great nation, much like our infamous nation, were both started by criminals, uh, I can't say that I'm surprised. <laughs> by 1932, so three years later, with increased wheat crops and no subsidies at all given... Uh, By October, these farmers were prepared to harvest their crops while also threatening to not deliver their harvest. So they were going to harvest everything, but not give it to them. So they're like, we got all this wheat harvested. It's all ours. Fuck you. Because you didn't give us money. Exactly. Enough money. Mm -hmm. Yes. So now here's Shane's favorite part. Uh, Before I continue, let me talk a little bit about the birds. Yes. It's the definition phase. Woo. Birds aren't real, you fucking cuck. Well, let's just say for for this purpose, we we do that. We 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 pretend they are real. Okay. 
Keep in mind, actually, no, this is a good point, John. These birds still existed because we're talking about Australia and we're also talking about before the whole Oh, before Eisenhower. Yes, exactly. See, because this is the 30s, right? See, oh, I knew right. you and, and your intellectual you... brain would know. Mm-hmm. Big brain, yeah. Mm-hmm. My Very big, 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 big brain. Yes. So uh, I just want to talk a little bit about the national bird of Australia. It, it, it's not a long... T- Shane, love Australia step so away from that news. Step off from that ledge, my friend. Ooh, what's the name what's of the song? song what's the name of the song? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, enjoy my painfully, painfully peaked audio there because Michael just killed my fucking brain. Do you want to give it to him, Shane, or do you want to leave him in suspense? I mean, I might go get some cables and see if I could give him a jump. Oh, thank you. Er. All right. I appreciate that. A jumper. Yes. Okay. That was the first song I ever played live in front of anybody, ever. <laughs> really? Well, since we're taking a trip down memory lane, the first song I performed in front of people was Edwin McCain's I'll Be. And it's not as countryfied as it sounds. Yeah, that, that that's a good song. one. I actually I do like that song. Too. Uh, I somewhat condemned myself by doing so, though, because I had to sing it at so many weddings subsequent <laughs> to that. Mm. I had people that were in choir with me that years after, like, could you sing that song at my wedding? It's like, how much are you paying? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I didn't sing sing jumper. I just played the chords in a talent show in high school, and my friend Hannah sang it. Oh, you're so cute. Yeah, it was adorable. Anyway. Uh, so you're all be and I'll be jumper. I'll be jumping. Yes. Yes. Good. Just like Michael. Probably after this memes. episode. <sighs> it's a two story house. You'll live. Fuck me, you feathered freak. Let's go. Fuck me yourself, you coward. <laughs> <laughs> the emu is the largest bird in Australia and the second largest bird in the world. Uh, they are obviously flightless birds, as you can tell by any sort of picture of them, and they can reach up to 6.2 feet in height. Uh, they can travel great distances and can reach a top speed of about 30 miles an hour. Yes, John? Is the height bullshit? No, it is true. They're very tall. taller. I thought, it was, I thought it was taller. It's, it is weird. I, I think you might be thinking of ostrich. I'm not going to. The other bird. Am. The other giant flightless <laughs> bird that I'm not going to try and say. You mean the one we have festivals for here locally? Yes, because there is a farm, um, I think, between here and Tucson. Mm-hmm. Uh, not going to say what the bird is. Don't care. <laughs> I have a question. If it's about the other bird, I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> what? So you're saying that the national bird of Australia is an emu? It's yes. It's yes? I guess. If I if I had... It, is it's that a, a lie? It's, it's a little... It's a. I found it odd because a lot of other places... And, and a couple of the sources for this paper or for my thing script whatever i'm, I'm dying i'm st- stroking answer the stroking. question michael it is the national bird but it is treated differently than other countries and their national bird like in america you can't just you know snipe a bald eagle right but in australia they treat their national bird a little bit differently so yes they are the national bird of australia to answer your question okay their feathers are typically brownish colors for camouflage, with their facial feathers gradually thinning to expose bluish skin. There are only a few natural predators, the dingo, who only try to eat their offspring. And the, the wedge-tailed 
Yes. Bullshit. <laughs> I, I, I was appreciate so your to joke, you. yeah. but uh, yeah. A little, oh. a little two on the nose for you. <laughs> I, I I was hoping that someone would get that because I I was like I would I originally wrote it as who would try to eat their babies and I'm like no someone would catch that. Offspring. I like I yes I appreciate your attempt, yeah. friend. Um, they actually I. I'll explain that in a little bit when we cover lies at the end. Um, the dingo try to eat their offspring live, blah, blah, blah. And the wedge-tailed eagle, a massive nine-foot wingspan bird. So it's a massive fucking bird. It's like the size of a bald eagle. Uh, the emu aren't really affected by dingo. Um, as the emu can jump into the air and kick at the dingo uh, on its way down. Like an actual like karate thing. That's That's what Wikipedia Dude. told me. Did you find any videos that we can show in the after? I try. I can. I can do that in the in this little break little between now break. and then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think I tried and I couldn't find anything interesting. Um, but I'll, I'll double check because that would just be really cool. It'd be like a fight scene or whatever. Uh, the wedge-tailed eagle, however, uh, swoops downwards from a great height and aims straight for their heads. Uh, so the ninja moves against the dingo aren't that useful against the eagle. The eagles also target emus in open ground with nowhere to hide. Under such circumstances, the emu can only run in a chaotic manner and frequently changes its direction to evade attack. Now, I said that for an important reason, which we will get to in a moment. Mm. Yes. So, emus are a migratory bird, and they regularly migrate after their breeding season. Uh, you can kind of see where this is going. Uh, yeah, I've dated a couple emus. <laughs> Emo. And Doug? Because uh, we haven't made that joke yet. Um, it works any way you spread it. It's fine. Yes. Uh, some 20,000 emus made their way from the coast inland towards that tasty, tasty wheat harvest that I mentioned earlier. With cleared land and additional water supplies for livestock, these giant-ass birds found paradise. They made their ways into cultivated land and consumed the crops, as well as leaving large, huge gaps in fences where rabbits could enter and cause further problems. Can we analyze that sentence structure? Large, huge holes. I I paused, (laughs) and so I added another synonym for large. Yes. The sentence was written as, as well as leaving large gaps in fences. So I don't know why I had another stroke here. Today is just not my day. It's it's been a long it's been a long three or four days. You're doing you're doing terrific. We doing great, we, bud. We're we're here with this massive influx of emus. Which department do you think the farmers would turn to for aid? Well, certainly the government, because they have had so much faith rewarded by them previously. Your government loves you. Mm -hmm. Well, Mm -hmm. these farmers were military veterans, so they'd go to the part of the government that they know would help them out. The Ministry of Defense. The Minister of Defense, a Sir George Pierce, uh, took up the farmer's call to action. He listened to a group of farmers who, being the World War I veterans they were, requested the deployment of machine guns against the birds who drew first blood. Bullshit. True. They requested machine guns because that's what they knew. I would have assumed they would have asked to dig trenches. No. Well, yeah, that's a fair point. But um, (laughs) What about a moat? Just machine guns, yes. But a moat. But a moat. 
The minister happily agreed. He thought the birds would make good target practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it was also argued um, by some in the government that um, the operation was a way for the Australian government um, to be seen as publicly publicly helping the farmers uh, because there was a large um, secessionary movement that was moving through Western Australia. Uh, they wanted to form their own government. They wanted to split away from Australia total. And by doing this sort of helping these farmers out, it could, you know, good karma, etc. It's a bit of make good. Mm-hmm. Uh, to lead credence to that theory, a cinematographer... Ex- fucking excuse you? To lead credence, credence, credence... What? Uh, uh, to help with this theory... <laughs> A cinematographer, <laughs> which I got that right, from well Fox Movie Tone, one of the first newsreels that was popular in the 30s. Talkies, um, yeah. Yes, the, the tippy-talkies or whatever Ooh, you said spicy. a long time ago. Yes, yes. Um, was enlisted to help film these uh, the, this operation, right? To kind of help spread this good-natured government appeal to other people. So, the initial military operation was due to begin in October of that year, so in 1932. So, pretty much almost an immediate reaction to the emus moving inland. Uh, Since I listed the combatants on the other side, that is the emus, uh, let me list the combatants from the Australian military. There were only four people. The commander was Major G.P.W. Meredith of the 7th Heavy Battery of the Royal Australian Artillery, and under him were Sergeant S. McMurray, Private William Hanlon, and... Wait, why didn't I write the other... And Gunner J. O'Halloran. Their equipment consisted of two Lewis guns, which is was it was a type of machine gun, uh, and 10,000 rounds of ammunition... Shit! <laughs> ammunition! <laughs> So this episode is sponsored by Tourette's Syndrome. How? What episode are we on? What's the episode number? One million four hundred sixty-seven thousand and two seventy-eight. So, sounds about right. Way Either off. way, I feel like it's just a podcast on correcting your speech. Honestly, I I mentioned to my girlfriend um last the pre-roll last week where Courtney asked me if I had a speech therapist when I was younger, and I said I should have. I think of that probably every day now. <laughs> we are helping prepare you for your future presentations to classes, which, sadly, you're already being compensated for doing. Yeah. Michael, I, I believe in you. No one else here does. I was going to say, yeah, because I but don't. I think if you aim for the, the moon, then sometimes you might be able to get in our ship. So John is doing to you what his dad did to him when he was younger. <laughs> Fucking him? Slap you and then turn you over and have his way with you. Ooh, It's called a compliment sandwich. Yeah. Spaloosh? Uh, the original operation was delu- d- delayed due to rainfall that caused the emus to scatter for a time. So on November 2nd, the operation was finally ready to begin. Okay, so quickly condense... Because we've had a lot of nonsense leading up to right now. Condense it all into like two sentences. Okay. So essentially these fuckers are... Fuckers, uh, these Australian fuckers in, in WW1. It, it, they it, go it, home. They get land. They, emus move in. Mm-hmm. 
Farmers ask government for help. Government says, here's four people and two machine guns and a fuckload of ammunition. So it's like the Inglorious Bastards versus an army of emus. Yes. Except not as capable. As we'll find out. So, the the operation began on November 2nd, so a little bit later because it was due, delayed due to rainfall. The first day... The, the emus respected the rain delay. Well, the military people did. The emus scattered. They were afraid of rain, apparently. Me too. The first day, the men traveled to a town called Campion, where some 50 emus were sighted. Seeing that the birds were out of range of the machine guns, local settlers tried herding the emus into an ambush... <laughs> but the birds must have seen what was coming <laughs> as they split into small groups and ran. Remember, these air quotes easy targets can run up to 30 miles an hour. I'm sorry. I just can't hold it together. I'm just thinking about like saving, saving Private Ryan or like the scene in Inglorious Bastards where they're watching the, the, the movie, uh, like the sniper's nest. And I'm just imagining like an emu sniper just like sniping off all of these Australians. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've come off Velocipaster and like other ob- obnoxious premises where like I just want to see this emu like wielding a machine gun. Uh, oh, anyway. they're 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 way better than that. You 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 don't give the emus enough credit. Trust me, emu, please. So the birds apparently had some sort of forethought and they <laughs> split. Like fuck this, Michael. This yes. White nonsense. Did, how did you come up with this topic? I've heard about the emu uh, war before. I I don't know. What are we doing? I, at one point, someone told me that cheese from. Some pizza place was liquid, and then I thought that I can make a podcast out of that. Okay. So Continue. Nevertheless, after the first round failed to get any birds, a second volley of machine gun fire was able to kill, air quotes, a number of birds. Uh, Later in the day, a small flock was encountered, and perhaps a dozen birds were killed. The next day, or the next battle, occurred two days later where Meredith had established an ambush near a local dam, where more than 1,000 emus were spotted heading towards that location. This time, the gunners waited until the birds were in close proximity. O'Halloran later wrote that Meredith commanded him to, quote, wait until you see the browns of their eyes. That's a bullshit. That's fucking... I, I wanted to make that. It, it felt it, it like it was funny, though. I liked it. it. It it set it up so much because they literally waited for the birds to come, and I'm like, someone had to have said, "Wait until you see the whites of their eyes." But, but it's I funny that you said that. brown because then it's just like, "Wait until you see their brown eyes." Yes, you know their uh, their, their buttholes. Get it, Michael? Shut buttholes. the fuck up, John. <laughs> <laughs> Upon opening fire, one of their guns jammed after killing only twelve birds. And the re- they're coming right for us! <laughs> and the remainder, <laughs> remainder quickly scattered before any more could be shot. No more birds were sighted that day, and it was quickly learned that emus cannot be felled with only one bullet. <laughs> In the days that followed the disaster at the dam, Meredith, the you know commander, uh, chose to move, move further south, uh, where the birds were reported to be fairly tame. But again, he found only limited success. It was noted that, quote, each pack seems to have its own leader now. A big black plumed bird plumed. Plume. Sorry. 
<laughs> a big black plumed bird which stands fully six feet high and keeps watch while his mates carry out their work of distraction and warns them of our approach. No. You know, what's initial... really weird about this is that that emu uh, wears an eye patch to differentiate itself from the other emu so that you know that it's a serious one. It's a leader. And he's got a scar across that eye with the eye patch. Yeah. The, your initial depiction and your mispronunciation just gave me a picture of a giant testicled emu <laughs> just running around with huge black plums, just intimidating all are the you, other ones into being coerced. Sir, are you trying to describe a hybrid between a tanuki and an emu? Maybe. Why wouldn't I? They were the lookouts, so, you know, you got to have big balls in order to watch out for danger in the horizon. So. How big, though? Um big 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 balls. That's really big balls. Yeah. That was an hour long. So that was uh I might have to cut that a little bit. So I'm sorry Shane. I know I know as much as you wanted that whole Snyder cut, but I think I might cut it a little bit there. She at one point, Meredith even tried mounting one of the guns on a borrowed truck. It didn't work either, as the truck couldn't gain on the birds, the birds were too quick, and the ride was so rough that the machine gun couldn't even fire. Does anybody else get heavy tremors vibes, but instead of it being the big worms, it's just fucking emus? <laughs> I, ne- I did not for the whole time I wrote this episode, but now I do. Now I really want to see Tremors again. It's been a long You've time. You've seen since Tremors? You've I've seen, seen Tremors a movie? One, two, three, and the prequel, which was number four. What in the filibustering <laughs> fuck? It's a B flick. Of course I've seen it. Because it's, especially the later ones are pretty bad. Courtney, you have know, you seen Tremors? No. It's funny <clears throat> that you mention having a B flick because you're going to need to be doing that an awful lot once Courtney finally sends you that package. Ooh. <laughs> get it? That's actually, it, that's Michael? what I've been doing Michael, this time it? is getting my order placed. <sighs> Congratulations. I yes. mean, it actually, I do realize I think the only one that has Michael's address is Courtney, but, you know, she has the email address too. If you can Africanize them as well, <laughs> just, you know, on the yeah. off chance they've got an exotic you, breed. That's please. an extra cost. I wouldn't ask her to do that. Oh, I'll oh, pay you're, it. Oh, okay. You're, you're, fair you're enough, worth fair it. Enough. You're, oh. Don't sell yourself short there, Michael. You're worth it. I appreciate that. That that, that mm-hmm. makes me feel nice. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about termites, too? Oh, I have some. So do I. <gasps> wow. Probably everyone does. Sarah's I'm going to get you some hepatitis as well. You can just wait. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, now we're just listing like things we year. can give away. I guess now is the time to announce the Disinformed Podcast mail service. (laughs) Please subscribe today. Much like Michael, Christmas comes but once a year. (laughs) Jokes on you, Christmas never came for me. Can we do a themed uh, subscription box? Because this could get really great. Yeah, I have some toenail clippings that I can donate. (laughs) I could just send uh, like a CD of me attempting to pronounce words. Impress your enemies. Impress your friends. (laughs) The only currency we take is if you actually pay attention. By the 8th of November, so six days after the initial operation began, uh, two and a half thousand rounds of ammunition had been fired, and the number of of birds killed is uncertain. While one account estimates around 50 birds, 
Another account provided by the settlers gives the range from about 200 to 500 birds. Are they just leaving them or, or you know, scattering them to the winds? What I mean, you'd have a pretty tangible way to keep track of your impact. I thought the same thing when I read this. I was like, what, did the birds turn into mist? Did, did the birds pick up their fallen brethren to bury them elsewhere? Like, Yeah, you don't leave your dead. Exactly. It, it it brings to mind what you said a long time ago, Shane, about like having to cut off coyote ears to prove that you killed the coyote mm-hmm. from an episode. I don't even remember when, but like, there's got to be justice. S- yeah, that there- was your uh, one of your one of your kin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and myself, it's a giant ass bird. Like there would be some sort of proof that you killed it. Unless, say, like, it maybe got a couple of bullets and then it died off in the wilderness or something like that. But that wouldn't count as a kill anyway. It's also, you've described it as being the bloody Sahara of Australia. So it's just, you know, open, barren wasteland. You're going to find the bodies. True. True. Also, I would believe they would be edible. I've eaten ostrich, so I can't imagine that you couldn't eat emu. That seems like a gigantic waste. It does, actually, yes. I mean, like, because it's not like you're shooting at them with shotguns it's it's a giant ass bullet you're not peppering them with little ball like little bullets little from balls. the shotgun yes exactly sorry Plus, revealed uh, my kink we're gonna give a, a big gold star to courtney because she actually was able to pronounce the bird that shall not be named <laughs> yes i don't understand i just can't talk but try it's, it's no, please I, i've tried for 29 no, years just ostrich Ostrich. <gasps> Ostrich. Oh! Ostrich, man. Ostrich. Ostrich me so fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> Summarizing the coals, an ornithologist commented the So machine- you can bust out ornithologist, but you cannot pronounce ostrich. But ostrich. Yeah, it's but ostrich, that's, that's a big ass. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, uh, maybe I have a latent lisp or something. I don't know. I, or a stroke. They could be constant stroking. <laughs> this ornithologist. And there's the episode title. <laughs> constant stroking. Uh, an ornithologist commented the machine gunner's dreams of point blank fire into serried masses of emus were soon dissipated. The emu command had evidently ordered guerrilla atta- tactics. And its unwieldy army soon split up into innumerable small units that made use of the military equipment uneconomic. So this bird guy is saying, hey, Emu High Command said guerrilla tactics. This is Vietnam now, before it was Vietnam. Galrilla Godot was there? <laughs> Just carrying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now that is a picture. It's just a giant uh, army of emu led by a 400 pound gorilla with a football helmet and a leg dangling from a necklace. So, um, we, I don't know if it was on the show proper or one of the peripheral shows, but we talked about Peter Jackson doing the 4K restoration um, mm. of Lord of the Rings. Uh, well, I, I snagged it, and that's why this has come to mind, but you know in the beginning of the Fellowship, uh, when it shows the battle uh, mm-hmm. at Mountain Doom, or, you know, essentially the big battle, yes. and you see the, it's like the first battle sequence ever shown in the the, the saga, and uh, the orcs are rolling down the, the field, I see that scene, but with <laughs> emus and Galrilla. <laughs> and four jackasses with machine guns going... <laughs> 
Oh, it's jammed. Oh, shit. Get back on the, like, the beat-up truck. Oh, they're coming right for us. They're coming no, they're right like, for us. They're like redneck. I think we are describing the perfect B-movie that doesn't exist yet. If I had money, I would donate to it. I would. I would. You don't have to have money. That's the point. Fair. If um, Kevin Smith can do this, we can crowdsource this nonsense. If Courtney can make a meme from scratch and put it onto our Instagram page, then we can do it. Unless that was a borrowed meme from Velocipapper. 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 Which one? The uh, perfect uh, Velociraptor doesn't exist. Oh, no, I found that on the internet. Shh, take credit, girl. Take credit. I'll just cut that, what you said. Just yep. say yes. Just Good. say yes. Censor, censor Courtney. <laughs> Hashtag Courtney Gate. <laughs> While you're at it, cut me and let's get this over with. <laughs> on November 8th, members in the Australian House of Representatives discussed the operation. After noting the negative coverage of the events in the local media which included claims that only a few emus had died, Pierce, the Minister of Defense, withdrew the military personnel and the guns later that day. In his official report, Meredith reported that his men had suffered one casualty, Private Hanlon, when he dropped the machine gun on his foot and broke it. (laughs) Meredith later wrote, If we had a military division with the bullet-carrying capacity of these birds, it would face any army in the world. They can face machine guns with the invulnerability of tanks. They are like Zulus, who even dum-dum bullets could not stop. That's bullshit. That was a correct statement. He did write that in his report. Dum-dum bullets? Dum-dum bullets are projectiles that are designed to uh, expand on impact, like a hollow-point bullet. It's not just me operating a pistol? No. They're also missing the point that it was overwhelming numbers with the Zulu hordes that they're referring to. Uh, <laughs> As opposed to like they weren't 50 bulletproof. fast emus that just ran away when they got shot at once or twice. Through all of your science talk and all of your mispronunciations, I think this is the emu that's breaking Shane's back. <laughs> it kind of is. I'm surprised. I, I'm just waiting to see, you know, the German high command that will come in with <laughs> flamethrowers in a few years and just roast the entire fucking lot of them. So the next section is called the second counteroffensive because no the, fun. the emu original incursion I, I called first blood. How how much more <laughs> of there is this, Michael? Not much. It, it's It's literally half a page. I promise. With the operation of failure, Meredith and his men withdrew. The emu attacks continued, leading to farmers again asking for support. The premier of Western Australia, so I guess like the governor for the U.S. uh, you know equivalent, lent his strong support to the renewal of military assistance. At the same time, a report was indicated was issued that indicated three hundred emus had been killed in the initial operation. So I guess they did go back and count the emu bodies. Acting on the request in the report. By the 12th of November, so literally four days after they called it off, the Minister of Defense, Sir George Pierce, who would later be referred to as the Minister of the Emu War, approved the resumption of military efforts, explaining why the soldiers were necessary to combat the large emu population. 
uh, am calling bullshit on the minister of the emu war. Nope, he would be referred to that for the rest of his life. (laughs) It's on his fucking tombstone. That would be great if it was. I honestly would embrace that sort of, like, especially if it was this sort of kerfuffle, I would definitely, like... Yes. But what yes. if it was a what, what if it was ostriches instead? Would you still feel the same? No, because I wouldn't be able to say it. <laughs> well, you're uh, already going to get the title of the crowned king of clusterfuck, my friend. So I, I try. You better, you better be ready to wrap this up with a bow. Oh, I I will. It ends pretty nicely. This time, however, the <laughs> <Prove> military <it. laughs> agreed. This time, however, the military agreed to lend the guns to the Western Australian government on the expectation they would provide the necessary people. However, uh, they pulled Meredith back in, mostly because of the apparent lack of experienced machine gunners in the state. Uh, They took to the field the next day, with the military finding a degree of success for once, with approximately 40 emus killed. By the 2nd of December, the soldiers were killing approximately 100 emus per week. Meredith was recalled on the 10th of December, and in his report he claimed 986 kills, with 9,860 rounds at exact at a rate of exactly 10 rounds per confirmed, per confirmed kill. Additionally, Meredith claimed 2,500 wounded birds had died as a result of their wounds. In assessing, in assessing the success of the call, a local local so take it from one close. bitch. In assessing the success of the call, a local article reported that although the use of machine guns had been Criticized in many quarters, the method proved effective and saved what remained of the wheat. The last section, the aftermath. Despite the problems encountered with the coal, farmers requested military assistance in 1934, 1943, and 1948, only to be turned down by the government. Instead, the bounty system that had been instigated in 1923 and then subsequently removed, was continued, and this proved to be effective. Some 57,000 emu bounties were claimed over a six-month period in 1934. Whether or not they were actually emus or not can be debated. The real decider on the Great Emu War was actually a simple implementation. They built better fences out of metal that can't be easily dug under or jumped over. So the real lesson here was of deterrence. If the emus can't get into your farm, then they can't eat your crops. I thought you were going to say the Australian government instead decided to outlaw wheat and wheat byproducts. That sounds more like an American thing. (laughs) You would not be wrong. So you're saying the solution to all our problems is to build bigger fences? Gotta build Build a wall. Build a wall. Deterrence. (laughs) Yes. Oh, is, is that what we're calling it? Yes. Deterrence. <laughs> or uh, or some sequins, as uh, Michael had said <laughs> previously. So TLDR that, Michael. Emus invade. Farmers say, government help. Government like, here's some Joe Schmoes and a couple machine guns. They okay. fail. Government's okay. like, just kidding, come back. Okay. Farmers are like, but we need help. Government's Bad. like, you do it yourself. Here's some guns. No way. And they're like, okay. And? And then they build better fences. And then the emu stop. Well, here's here's your even faster synopsis, John. You can't beat birds with bullets. <laughs> I like that better. 
Okay. Michael, I think we got three of your lies. Yes. So the first one kind of like got obscured. I think actually because Shane called bullshit like two or three like words before I said it. So when I list, I said, it's just the World War One, the Great War, the war to end all wars, the coldest war, etc. The coldest war was a lie. It was a it was a lazy lie. Yeah, that's a lazy fucking lie. Uh, I say dingoes, we got that one. Yes. Uh, the dingoes who try and eat their babies. Uh, instead of dingoes trying to eat their babies, the dingoes actually go for the emu's neck. Uh, it kind of makes sense if you picture the actual emu itself. The neck looks pretty, pretty easy to snap. So if you can reach it, you might as well go for it. Uh, let's see. So I listed four people. That was a lie. There were only three people that actually went. Um, <laughs> I, I wish even... I could see Courtney's uh, dramatic eye roll there because I agree. Well, so I kind of, and I had this thought. So the real people were Meredith, um, Sergeant S. McMurray, and Gunner J. O'Halloran. Oh, yeah, because I know all these people. Halloran From made the me think of, yes. And so I thought, well, what other people did he work with? Oh, William Hanlon. Han- Hanlon. And so Private W. Hanlon was a lie. Yes. And then you got the whites of their eyes. Um, the last lie is his men suffered one casualty. Private Hanlon, when he dropped the machine gun on his foot and broke it, there were no casualties. No one did that. I thought that was just poor writing on your part. I didn't think to call that as a lie. <laughs> that was my exact same thought as I was going, he doesn't understand what the word casualty means. Michael, I thought you understood. I'm just stupid. <laughs> I appreciate that, John. I, hey, I well, idiot's got to stick together, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> apes apart, uh, apes alone weak. Apes like, together strong. Yeah, you got to yeah. stick together like the pages of your magazines. So, Michael, one, thank you for not making that scientific at all. I do sincerely thank you for that. Now, do you have the game stock and game stock game stop analogy? <laughs> yes. So is it actually written and not by you? It is written and I even have it as a source and cited. Can okay. I just take a moment to yes, to, please. to I was just discussing with Superfan Steven this very day the lengths to which I have gone to try to make my lies more sophisticated. In point of fact that I have now written paragraphs worth of material on my own out of whole cloth to try to come up with something because I'm like, we have to get better. We have to refine our methods, right? We're trying to make this improve and we want to bet. Nope. I said there were four guys, but day was three. I'm going to quit trying so hard. I'm just going to fall back on I, stupid, nonsensical bullshit Shane, from this point forward. Shane, you're going to remember you, you're If gonna I remember said this. Hall- O'Halloran, if I, if I said O'Halloran, if I said Halloran and I said William Hanlon, I, I thought you would have made the connection okay, with it. Michael, okay. typically, children, if you were putting children. coherent sentences together, then yes, I may have made that connection. But mostly, I was trying to figure out whether you were still speaking English or if a demon had possessed your fucking throat and you were speaking in tongues. Okay, let's let me moderate this real quick. Shut the I, fuck up, John. I think what we are in desperate need of right now are a actual rules for the lies. 
and we should actually we should come up with those and they don't even have to be published anywhere but i feel like what shane's getting at is very very valid and Courtney, you touched on this last week too where it's like i feel like that's a bullshit lie and i think i'm kind of the the cancer of this group where i incepted the fucking dumb list lies um or the non-lie so we should refine and make sure that everybody like there's a no-no list and a go-go list you know <laughs> as far hey. as lies Will are the concerned go-go list come to my party do they dance no. Uh, they will do something at your party. Okay. Will, but not uh, dancing. Swing a mace on a chain at your head and try to kill Shane, you in a dance club. would that club. make your efforts feel more validated no. if everyone had the same set of rules? <laughs> if anything, it makes it even worse. No. I, wasn't, I, I was being validated. I wasn't <laughs> saying this is something that I, I just, I, I was lamenting this and I was saying, I really have to, I find myself writing a lot more than I used to because I'm, you know, it's my own problem. I'm not trying to foist this off on the group. I'm just saying, I thank you, Michael, because now I'm not going to try so hard. I think I'm just going to, you know, fall back on some of the, the lazy ways and means, and then we'll all just be upset at each other. I wasn't lazy for some of those lies. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly I'm... read O'Halloran, and I thought Dick Halloran, and... The... I thought I'm sorry. I I sorry. I I I sorry. I sorry. I know communicate <laughs> correct. I'm not going to stop until I see the browns of your eyes, Michael. <laughs> That's because they're filling with blood because of the extent of the strokes that I am currently having. Understandable. I <sighs> I was not trying to brute fuck you at the end of the episode. I was just chuckling to myself <laughs> that uh, my expectations may be a bit too high. But uh, please tell us about your game stop stocks or stonks. So I I will just give an analogy to explain what is going on with GameStop yes. mm-hmm. or what had happened up until this point of recording, which is uh, Wednesday night, February 3rd. Yeah, um, because who knows? I could check my phone and everything could have gone to shit, which has happened a good. lot. Yes. Um, so I found this on the subreddit Wall Street Bets. It was my favorite analogy for describing this whole thing, and it doesn't use any stock like descriptions. And I kind of tweaked it a little bit to make it a little bit more narrative sense, but here we go. There's a rich kid in town. Let's call him Melvin. He thinks he's really smart. He finds a coupon. For $20 off of the new Nintendo Switch during the holidays, with no limit on the number of units. He thinks, this is easy. I'll go ahead and sell the Switch now for $200, and then buy it for $180 with the coupon. Easiest $20 I'll ever make. He goes and tells all his parents' friends at the country club that he can get them the new Nintendo Switch for their kids. He collects $200 each from the 50 from 150 parents with a promise to get them a switch. He has now earned $130,000 and will use that money to purchase Nintendo Switches for $27,000. He'll have earned $3,000 in just a few hours, making his parents proud. Now, there's another kid watching Melvin this entire time. Let's call him Keith. Keith doesn't like Melvin. Keith finds out that there are only a hundred new switches shipped to the whole city that they're in. Keith and his 99 friends buy all a hundred Nintendo Switches on the spot. Later in the day, Melvin goes to GameStop 
and with his $20 off coupon, says, I'll take 150 switches, please. GameStop guy looks at him and says, "Uh, sorry, we're all sold out. Melvin goes to the next one, and the next one, and the next one. He can't find a single switch and cannot fulfill his orders. Meanwhile, Keith is telling all his friends about what Melvin promised the members at the country club. Keith says, nobody sell him the switch you bought, no matter what. And they do just that because Keith and his friends hate Melvin. Yeah, fuck you, Melvin. Exactly. With a name like that. Melvin is in trouble. His parents' rich, his parents' rich friends are all asking, when are they getting their switch? Melvin's parents are angry, but they don't want to lose their standing at the country club. They have to help Melvin get those 150 switches. Keep in mind that there are only 100 switches in the whole city, so there's already issues there, right? This is where supply and demand comes in. The price of switches in the city skyrockets. Melvin's parents were able to get just a few units from Keith's friends, but they had to pay inflated prices for them. First $1,000, $2,000, now $3,000. It's nearing Christmas, and every rich parent at the country club is desperate for their promised switch. They call upon Melvin's promise and force him to pay whatever price Keith and his friends demand, making Melvin lose much more than he made in the first place. And that kind of describes the whole idea or the premise behind the whole GameStop thing. And you managed to lose money. <laughs> well, I bought when we I bought when GameStop was a little bit too high, but the whole idea as being one of the friends is that I hold off and I don't sell my shares and hope because that's where the magic comes in is that I hope that they demand that Melvin buys these switches and then I can sell my switch and the couple of switches that I bought for a lot more than what I originally got them for. So we will need to follow up on your stocks. Yes. May I ask for the meme or go ahead. Yeah. Uh, you can blur this out if you want to. Uh, what was your initial investment? Oh, no, I can I can keep this in. I don't mind. Um, I bought two stocks at $320. And then I bought um, two and a quarter for $100. I do not feel bad about not paying into this podcast. Yeah, and yet you haven't bought like a professional like audio interface or, you know, you guys are you... Yeah, just this is this but, is. But if he does, Shane, if he doesn't sell his switch, and then someone buys his switch for more money, then he can have like a studio in his house. Yeah, 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 yeah. For, with his stonks. Because mm-hmm. what people don't understand about the subreddit, because I've done a lot of digging into the subreddit, is that that is their whole shtick. They're all about big money or big losses. They they literally talk. One of their subsections is all about loss porn. Where people show pictures of their losses oh, on the stock fuck. market. There is a video that I saw and it didn't make any real sense to me until you just said that. But it, it was on the, uh, the subreddit Watch People Die Inside. And it was a video of a dude who lost 50k. Like a Redditor losing 50k in the stock market. And it was someone that was, I have no joke, probably 20 or 21 years old. Oh, he's like I, in I his car it. and just like, just weeping openly because he lost 50k of money that he shouldn't have been betting yeah 
This this is like, of course, I could use this money, but it's not like I will have to move out of the house. I'll be homeless if I don't do. Well, that's okay, what so a let, lot me, of let me let me get this straight. So I tell I tell Shane to buy a hundred dollar plugin, and and you guys mercilessly are just like, look at John and his wife privilege, and then your follow up maneuver to that, daddy. That's not my daddy. Is to go fucking buy $400 of stocks? This is my student loans that I always get at the beginning of every semester. So Hold on, hold on. We can take this one step further. Michael, there are people who are waiting for stimulus checks like their life depends on it. And you just have like $600 to throw at some bullshit stocks at GameStop? They're student loans, and I actually do think that this, like that, they will skyrocket. Okay. Uh, what What do they say on there? Diamond hands to the moon, Michael, apes together. I strong. Think, Here's the I thing, though. Here's the thing. I, you got involved. We know your yeah. luck. It's not going to happen. Oh, trust you me. You just forced I, the band I, to break I, up. I bought literally Monday morning at three hundred and twenty dollars, and it just. <laughs> <laughs> today was the today was the best day because it wasn't uh losing a hundred dollars at the end of the day now i don't i don't have the source for it and i don't have the exact amount but let's end on a happy note here um with the GameStop thing so there is someone who invested and they made it out big um and they did proceed to literally buy a whole grip of actual nintendo switches to donate to children at the Minneapolis, uh, you mm-hmm. know, Children's Hospital. So there's a happy. Note. So Michael, are you there committing are to that? There are multiple stories of that. Yeah, I mean, a- if I if I make a lot of money, yeah, I'll, I'll donate some. Yes, and I'll, I'll show proof of it too. Yeah, I have okay. no problem with You're that. You're here first. Mm-hmm. All three of you. But there are, <clears throat> the, yeah, there are multiple stories of people doing that. Like one of my favorite ones was apparently they talk about chicken tendies, so chicken <laughs> tenders a lot. This, it's a it's. They call themselves degenerates, and that's yeah, them. Okay. Yes. But anyway, one person bought several hundred orders of chicken tenders from Raising Kings, a, a fast food joint, and donated them to a local hospital or a, a nearby hospital. So I... there's a lot of stories of these sort of donations, people donating to children's hospitals that are coming from this Reddit, from these people that are making somewhat money from it. I have a question for Shane. And I have a question for Courtney. So, you've heard what Michael does with his free time. <laughs> you know, he goes on Wall Street bets. You both know what I do with my free time, which is accidentally watch very weird, disgusting things. And fuck your father. Allegedly. Well, not um, anymore. Sorry, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I aged out. Yeah, we've only confirmed he fucks his sister. We're living in a world now where you have to go down one of these forks on the in the road. <laughs> You either have to Fuck follow Michael. Invest in <laughs> you either have to follow Michael, and you have to go like go on r slash Wall Street bets and try and have that make sense, or you can follow me and we can have fun and we can <laughs> Fuck watch our videos. Sister. <laughs> <laughs> of, 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 <laughs> dang, what 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 road you going down, guys? Uh, I trick question. I kill myself. Fair. And Shane and I have a suicide pact, so I'm out. All right. Well, fuck you, Michael. I'll see you on the flippity flip. <laughs> Straight to the moon. Uh, so yet again, your, uh, what should we call it? Linguistic malfunction has uh, brought you into a state of peril because, Michael, it's stockbrokers 
not stalker. So you've just misconstrued what people have been calling you for years and misappropriated <laughs> funds based on a lie. Oh, oh damn, shit. Noop, noop. That changes everything. It sure should. I, I need oh, to go. And I, I need to rethink money. my life. This is so fucked. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and I, if, I, I uh, didn't know. If you are tired of being a victim of Michael's folly, just like the rest of us, then congratulations, you've made it to the end of the episode. So for all of you sitting at home, tearing out your hair, and just wishing it would end, I assure you, it's inbound, like a bullet through the back of the skull. So, if you want to avoid us like the plague, let me tell you how to do so. Uh, we have social networks that you can avoid actively by staying away from Instagram and, uh, you know, at Disinformed Podcast, which is what we go by there. So just eschew that handle. Stray from it as quickly as humanly possible. Uh, also, actively avoid Facebook.com slash Disinformed Podcast. Do not go to that site. There is nothing but pain that will follow. And furthermore, if you just want to watch a bunch of random posts that are automatically generated by a podcast provider app, you could go to Twitter and find us at Disinformed Pod and completely break your brain, just like Michael has done with this stirring installment. Or you can just, again, avoid it. It's also the only place I post his notes. Cool. Anywho, so uh, also... Uh, you can find us on YouTube on Wednesdays and Fridays. We have fabulous fan fiction that airs on Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. Mountain Time. And then of our decompression podcast that we do for YouTube, Friday Monins, called Disinform After Dark, which we are unfortunately going to be doing right now. So I'll see whether or not I've got sharp objects I need to get rid of before I sit down for that little installment. But it'll be a good time for this stirring edition of the Disinformed Podcast. Ye moves forever. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. So long and good fucking riddance. Good fucking night.